You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market. And Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey everybody, how's it going? So Damien, uh, he's busy doing some family stuff tonight. And uh, he said, hey, uh, asked Mark, asked Ryan, asked Phil. He even asked uh, Jeff Coates and a whole bunch of other guys to host it. When they all said no, they said, "Ah, well, maybe Dave will do it. So here I am tonight. Um, Special guest tonight, we've got Ryan Van Leuven. Did I say that right, Ryan? Van Leuven? Exactly. Okay, perfect. We got Ryan here. So Ryan owns Pintail Waterfowl. He's coming out of Michigan. Um, so Ryan, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your business. Uh, Pintails, actually, when I started, I was trying to make a few waterfowl products. I developed a, um, uh, a stand that was uh, not telescopic, but stacking for mojos and stuff like that for spinning wing decoys in deeper water. Uh, and I'd started developing some other little products and stuff that it was hard to compete price wise and make, get them into a price point I wanted. Um, I actually had Brad McGregor as a call maker down South at the time. I didn't make calls then. Um, I had him making calls for me. Uh, and I was developing my first, uh, public jig at the time and kind of learning it all just jumped right into it. And, uh, so he was making calls from me off of my jig and, he was having a hard time getting the color acrylic that I wanted. Uh, and couldn't find blanks anywhere of the colors because the big companies were buying them up. So uh, my ex-wife at the time, she says, well, why don't you make your own blanks? And I says, well, I probably could do that. So I ordered up some material and started designing a mold. And when I, when I started doing that, I kind of got this thing like, why not make it instead of just making a blank? Cause there's blanks out there. I'm like, why not make it better? Make something different, something new that people hadn't seen before. And that's where we decided to start casting the blanks with the holes in them. Uh, so people didn't have to drill them. I was like, why just cast the hole? It uses less material. It's, you know, it can sell for cheaper than, and that, and it makes it easier on people. So it kind of, uh, started going. I cast a few and sent a few out to people to try and they liked them and we started doing some more. Um, I have bad asthma, so I myself couldn't cast. So I asked my mom because she had told me, she's like, I'm looking for something to do. I said, why don't you try casting these blanks? So I kind of showed her and, and showed her what we we're looking for and got her going with it. She started casting blanks. At the same time, I had my tone, door, tone board developed that I liked for my P1 jig, which is our kind of flagship uh, public jig. And a buddy of mine that runs a machine shop, I talked to him. I said, can you make these for me? He says, yeah, I can make them for you. So he started doing the jigs. So I had jigs and then I had blanks. And it sort of just evolved into a, uh, a call supply company instead of so much the making waterfowl products. And I did have a few products at the very beginning and stuff. And uh, I just kind of dropped them out and started focusing on the calls. Uh, I had a jig made for my insert, uh, the insert part of the call that was actually half molded with the tenon so they didn't have to turn the tenon down. And from there, it's kind of just evolved. I started doing exactly right there. Um, I started doing uh, a goose, the goose calls that had a, 
the seven eights and then drop down to five eights uh, so they could fit like Echo's uh, call or goose insert. Um, and then I developed the goose gut certs as well to hold them together. The whole, the whole um, thing I try to build around it is to have stuff for the guys who've been making calls for years uh, to make it easier and quicker, more profitable for them, as well as I really push trying to get new guys that are just getting into it to make it a little easier on them, uh, easier to learn. They can spend more time turning versus drilling and trying to get tenons perfect and that sort of thing. It, it really uh, has came along well getting the new guy. I've had a lot of schools, um, shop teachers call me up and buy materials and jigs and uh, mandrels and everything. To, to get their students going in it. And uh, I think focusing on, you know, not just the, the guys who've been making calls for 30 years, but, you know, on the guys that do, um, that are just starting out too. I think that really, really has helped the market itself and getting, you know, new guys in and it's helped my company a lot as well too. Um, I always, <clears throat> I've always tried to really listen to what people say. If uh, I get someone call up and they're like, okay can you do this i'll try it i always try it you know sometimes i can't um but uh i always try to uh try to do it um and that's why i've I've been asked for bands for years and i I didn't want to do bands uh let me step back just a little bit when i first started uh, i had um, a couple people get a hold of me um stelzner was one uh he said that he does a certain call with the band in it or the the duck band in it and, and shot in it. And he says, you know, that's kind of my thing. Can you stay away from not do that? You know, and I said, yeah. And, and to this day, I've never cast one of them. Um, I also got contacted. I can't think of his name, but he used to do the ones with the, um, uh, what was it, uh, with pictures and stamps and stuff like that in it. He actually had it patented or whatever. And he asked me if I didn't do those. Um, so I stayed away from those. And I was friends with Ron Gould, uh, who does bands for a lot of guys, uh, anodized bands and, and engraved. So I didn't want to do bands for a long time. And then I finally said, you know what, I'm going to, I want to do something different that hasn't been done. And that's why we tried to do or started doing powder coated bands because nobody's done powder coated that I know of. And uh, it gives you some more color options that you can't get with anodizing. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've, I've stepped into doing the sleeving rods uh, to make that easier for guys. You get a normal, you buy a wood blanket, six inches. I don't know how many centimeters that is for you guys, but um, when we, you we cut it in half, you get your, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gives you your three inch barrel, but then you, you get two, three inch barrels. You can't make an insert out of the other piece. Uh, you need, you know, another four inch piece to make your insert. So by using the sleeving rods, uh, you know, I do acrylic and Delrin. Uh, it's a simple, you drill it and glue it in. And now you've got your insert ready to go, you can make a full call out of a six inch blank, uh, which is more profitable for, for people and easier for people to use and that sort of thing. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's grown. I've been in business now for, I think I'm coming up to my 13th or 14th year. And uh, my mom does all of the casting. She's, I call her the cast master and she's arguably <laughs> easily one of the best in the world, I think, um, as far as duplicating colors. We have, you know, our standard color line, which we duplicate all the time, and she just nails it one after another. Um, we had someone recently wanted one that looked like an opal, and uh, she was able to get that, and he loved it. Um, we've done some pretty, pretty uh, 
intensive blanks, you know, and stuff for people, which, which makes it nice. And then because we're a small company, I don't have to run, we cast in nine inch rods instead of four foot sticks. So little guys that, you know, they want to make someone say, like, Hey, can you make me a green Bay Packers call, you know, colors, we can do that without having to make them buy four feet of material that they won't use again. Um, which is nice when you'd get um, something that's a pink or purples that maybe don't sell quite as much, you know, it makes it, it cheaper and easier for them. They can actually make money on that call versus having, you know, uh, just trying to pay for the rod, you know, and uh, she, um, she's just gotten better and better and better over the years at it. Uh, I think, um, I think, you know, I, I take a lot of credit for building the company up, but without her, I wouldn't, wouldn't even be half of where I'm at. You know, she's, she's really got it down and got it well. Yeah. And, one of the big benefits I found is that like, I've just, I've only been making them off and on for the last few years. And, and when I was trying to make my first home board, I'm like, man, I don't want to have to take every single piece of wood and put it down to five eights. And then I was kind of looking for an economical option to, to learn to do my tone boards. And then I found pintail and I was like, Oh, and they had a sale on. And then they had, you have like a, I, I want to call them like your seconds blanks. Um, mm -hmm. I forget the name that, and I was just like, oh, shit, I'm just going to order like 50 of these. And man, I whipped through a bunch of them. And like, I didn't feel I felt bad about throwing some of them out because I was like, ah, but eventually you're like, oh, man, it's starting to work. And then you're getting better. And by the time you get like the 30th one, it's like, OK, now I got 20 left and I got to figure out which ones are good for the last so that I can use them as actual calls, because even your seconds blanks were actually really great quality, too. Right. So I was pretty surprised. A lot of those seconds we. I just call them my flawed blanks. You know, some of them, the holes are oversized in the casting process. If it, if it, if it, there's so much in, involved in the casting process. So as far as temperature, you know, we, we control temperature and humidity and in Michigan, that's tough, you know, same as you guys, it changes quick and um, dead of winter is completely different than dead of, you know, dead of summer. Um, so some of them, you know, we do get aren't usable. Most of the calls that I've ever made are actually from the second blanks, you know, from those flawed ones. Um, a lot of times there's nothing wrong with them there. I just, I sell them cheap, you know, just to re all we do is put that money right back into making more blanks. And um, it's for me, it, it's never, when I started this, it was just a, a side hobby, fun thing to do, you know, and I've, I've kept with it. I've never been about the money for it. Um, I like to, I like to see the new guys when they get going on it. I like to see the blanks when I, I get them all the time. I'm like, Oh, this is just a beautiful one. I'll, I'll write right on their order. You know, I want a picture of this when it's done um, to see, you know, that part's exciting for me. Um, a lot of what I do now is really just packing orders and, you know, push in the boxes, ship it out. You know, it's not exactly fun, but um, I still do get excited to see the guys that, especially the guys uh, they'll, they'll call me or message me or whatever and say, Hey, I'm just starting out and I'm, I'm having a hard time with this and I can, you know, work them through it. And, you know, a few weeks later, they, I'm seeing them posting calls up online that look, you know, look real nice and, and they'll write back, Hey, I got the hang. I'm doing good. And um, it's got, uh, it's a, a different kind of business where I have a, a personal relationship with a lot of my customers. Um, you know, I've had guys that have ordered for 10 years. I've never even talked to, but I've got guys that I've talked to for 10 years. And, uh, you know, I've gotten invitations to hunt and stuff all over. And I've met um, uh, some really cool people in the industry. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Um, it's, I always know it now. It slips in my mind. But he's one of the best knife makers in the world. 
and uh, he called me up. Um, uh, Russ, uh, Russ Comer. Sorry, it was Russ Comer from. Uh, he works. He does all the designing for buck knives, but he works for some other companies around the world as well. And he called me up and told me who he was, and I I never heard of him. You know, I didn't know much at the time, but he uh, it makes just these gorgeous, gorgeous knives. So he's like, he ordered some stuff from me, and I helped him get going. And then he called me up, and he's like, hey, he's like, I wanna want to have a proposal for you he says how about you send me a bunch of stuff and i'm going to send you one of my knives i want you to have one of my knives and he's usually a year or two wait on these knives so i i need but he told me right he says, i don't want you to don't baby don't put it in case he goes use it you have fun with it you know and so i've skinned a few deer with it already and you know no i mean it's a 1200 dollars knife and i'm skinning deer with it and staining it but um you know i've worked uh worked quite a bit i've done um a lot of jigs for uh, john stevens um, I've done some for uh, Riceland custom calls that sent them over to Russia because they have actually a guy in Russia that makes calls for them over there. It's um, it's a neat industry, you know, and, and you make a lot of good friends with it. Um, Corey Sorensen uh, is a good buddy of mine. I actually, when I first was starting out, I was happened to be online and I seen here's this guy. He was had an article on him in the news for being such a good call uh, caller, and uh, he gets invited to the Stuart every year and everything else. And uh, he was just a kid, you know, so I, I called him up or got, I don't know, called him online or got a hold, but uh, I was like, hey, why don't you stop by one day? I want to show you some stuff, you know, and he came over. So he's helped me out, you know, immensely through the whole thing and um, became a good friend of mine. And uh, it's, uh, it's just a neat industry. I got probably five or six guys that are local that stop by all the time. Uh, Brandon Chedester from uh, Greenwind Custom Calls, he comes by all the time and we throw around ideas and mess around with stuff. And um, they're the ones that usually lead me into trying to cast nerds candy in blanks and fruit loops in blanks. And we, we've tried so many things that have never, ever seen the light of day. Um, I, I highly suggest don't do nerd blanks. It, it comes <laughs> off sticky. And, I mean, it smells great. It smelled just like nerds candy, but I, it was I, from head to toe. It was just sticky mess. Um, we've tried seashells which seashells are by far they're worse than uh, deer antler they're the worst smelling thing out there i've got a couple boxes around here of all these weird things we've tried and it has to know they're they're not going on the market but um it's been a it's, it's been a fun industry it's been fun and it kind of took over where to the point where i couldn't have a regular job at the same time uh, i was selling insurance when i started it i actually designed the logo uh, while i was sitting at my desk selling insurance and um my boss was going to shut down the agency he's like i'm going to give you unemployment for six months he's like go start your business and let it go you know so i put everything into it and and uh, worked my butt off and it became full time that uh you know it gives me a lot of freedom to do other things and i actually own i think uh, nine or ten different little companies now that i do just kind of in between and they all kind of overlap and crisscross and it's been uh, it's been a fun ride so far and the, the other thing that people might not know is that you have like um, dedicated help pages for people looking to get into some of these, especially the how to make a call and like how to use your PJ one, like your pintail jig, your number one jig, yep. right? Um, and I thought that was kind of neat. And then you got people like talking about it and discussing how to use it. And everyone's been helpful so far on the site. So I, I thought that was great. I think it's a really cool concept because you're, I mean, call making has really exploded in the last like five years yep. and you've sent, you've essentially like your business platform. Like I had to ask 
uh, Dave, like I, I hadn't heard of it. And then when he told me what it was about, I was like, man, like there's nobody else that I know about who's doing it. And you're really taking away the most, you know, one of the more intimidating aspects of call making for a beginner, or even like maybe the most intimidating aspect of it. You're taking that pressure off a lot of people. And it's kind of like inviting people who maybe don't want to commit or just are a little afraid to put their toe in the water. Now it's just taking a little more stress off it. And I think it's, you're going to do a really good job at like increasing uh, people to get into the sport of call making who necessarily wouldn't previous to this. Right. And, and that's one, one regret I had is I didn't start that group a lot sooner. The make a duck call group. Um, I actually own a, a domain, make that I put up years ago and it probably needs to be updated, but it just had some basic info. Like these are the tools and this is where to go to find help and, and that sort of thing. And it was a marketing tool, you know, but it was there to help people. And that's what I wanted, you know, to get the guys that are intimidated. Um, when I started, there was only, I think, one other maker of jigs out there that I knew of at the time. And uh, something that I had heard is that, you know, he sells a jig, but it's pretty much you're on your own. And you can set it on his website that, you know, that he doesn't offer any sort of help for it or anything. And I was like, I don't really see what's wrong with helping people get started. You know, I'm not going to stop over to their shop and make the call for them, but I'm going to help them get through those beginner steps, you know, the baby steps, because it's frustrating and that can make or break you from making calls. Um, you know, I've had people call me up that are just, they're about ready to give up, you know, and, and I can lend them a little bit of help and pump them up a little bit and get them, you know, get them moving in the right direction. And um, it, I th there's a lot of guys out there now that I see that are some of the, I would say some of the top call makers that were guys that I remember when they started and uh, you know, you know, like Brandon Chester, he does great. He's, he's making calls for all kinds of like bands. And um, he did a set of calls for uh, all the duck commander guys. And um, you know, he's doing, doing some big stuff. And I remember when he first stopped over my house, he'd just just starting out didn't know nothing you know so that part's really rewarding just to see it grow and see the, the people grow you know as they go and, and that's what kind of keeps us keeps me pushing i've always had this uh mantra i guess that uh, if it's ever about the money i'm i'm getting out of the business and it uh i want to I want to see the people, you know, that are my customers and I want them to keep them as customers. I want to offer them the best customer service I can, which I've always tried to do. I want to listen. If someone says, Hey, you know, can we make this? Like I said, I'm, I'm going to try it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to try. And if I can't, I'll tell you, I can't, I've never, you know, my tenons on my, on my insert blanks, they're not the strongest. They can break, you know, if they drop and that sort of thing, the blanks are strong. I've done tests driving more of my Jeeps and stuff. I, um, I just want to point out those, those that, when you break a tenon like that um it's heartbreaking especially when it's like you just get your first tone board and it's like sounding good and you've got like three people to try it and you're like bragging about how awesome it is and then your wife hits it off the counter and it hits the floor and you're going you see it like slow motion break and ha not that it actually yeah it happened to me but um yeah so i i actually glued it back together with super glue and then redrilled it out and it's actually at bro's house right now so oh nice it's uh was oh, that that one yeah that's that one yeah it, oh, okay it's, yeah the black one it snapped and i was like i almost cried like i put a lot of work into that but yeah i have to go look at that I've, now I've I, I didn't see the fracture mark in it oh yeah it's it's frustrating and i've done it and and i've i've taken blanks i've drilled them with with no no lubrication whatever as fast as i can I, i've tested this stuff 
to know its limits. You know, and, and I tell people like the first thing you should do, go buy a, some, you know, gym floor mats. They're, they're like four or five bucks a piece and throw them down in your shop. Um, I have them, you can see behind me, you know, I have all the blanks. My whole floor in here is padded. So when stuff falls, it doesn't break. They can easily handle that. Um, you know, on the cement hardwood floor, there's a good chance it'll snap. And we've experimented with epoxy. And so I had epoxy, Corey and I took it. and We were throwing at the floor as hard as we can and it would not break but it didn't take colors as well. It didn't turn as well. There, there was downsides to it as well. So um, I've, I wanted to do these sleeving rods forever and I never did. I'm, I'm glad we finally got them coming out because you can take a, a lot of the, the, the guys won't use, you know, because of my tenons, they're just, and I understand it completely. It's, it, it, it's easier to break. You don't want to snap one and, and be out that color, have a customer, have it come back because it broke too easy. So with these sleeving rods, you drill it, glue them in, you're not going to break that Delrin there. It's not going to snap. No. And it only takes, I mean, you can do it in a couple of minutes and now you have, you know, it's, it's as bulletproof as anything else. And you get the color combos and stuff like that, that aren't available anywhere else. Yeah. And I really like the fact that it's so, see with today's society, I think that people need to hear that first quack out of something they made out of their own hands right off the bat so that's why i like the p like your your number one jig and the how you have P1 that helpful, the p1 jig um i really like that p1 because you know you can get you can get your first see when i first started i had guys telling me oh get a flat jig and cut yourself a flat tone board and then just start sanding until and figure it out and i was like i didn't learn that way the way that i did it was i grabbed the the p1 jig and then i i got one to work and i was like okay so then the next one that I did, I, I drilled out the tone channel a little bit further and I was like, oh, it didn't work. And then went a little bit less and, and it worked better. And then I, I just made changes from what I made one that I could make repetitively. And then I, you know, made small changes from that. And that's how I learned what was going on. And I think that's kind of the way that some people do learn. So it's an option there and, and it's a great product for that. Right. So it's a stepping stone. You know, I mean, yeah, I do have yeah. guys that use the P1 as a production jig. They run all their calls on the P1, P2 and P3. Um, the, but the P1, it's a parallel tone board. It does it has no upslope and no drop oh, it drops at the end, but it, it comes out dead straight. And then the P2, which has just a little bit of upslope, the P3, which is, shorter and has quite a bit of an upslope i actually left that one with more meat on it um but that that p1 is is my favorite i use it because it, it's easy it's it's reliable and it's quick and when you're just starting out like you said if, when you get that first quack you're like oh wow i did it that it's such do a it. confidence yeah. yeah you know it, it gets people in them and then the next five of them you'll throw in the trash but it gets them going and know that they did it once they can do it again and then they start learning a little more you know details and things about it and that's usually about the time that a lot of guys will jump on that group now and start asking questions in there. Like, what am I doing wrong? Or I'll get, I get emails and messages all the time. And, um, you know, I try to be available. I'm, I'm messaging people back at one, 2 AM regularly. You know, I'm all, if I'm up, I'm, I'm working, you know? So. And, and that's um, true because when I was trying to get Ryan on the show, I messaged him and then like at like one 30 in the morning, he replies. I'm like, where the fuck does this guy live? Like, is he over in Vancouver kind of area? Like, what's going on here? And, oh, he's literally, like, right near. I could drive to your house right now in less than a day. So, yeah. That's, yeah, I, I run some weird hours. I'm out here, and I've, I've been out here at 2, 3 a.m. working. Sometimes just can't sleep, get up and work. And 
Um, there's just so much to do with the, the other businesses and stuff that I run as well and trying to keep everything up. I don't want to uh, ignore one of them because um, I do. I make my own grunt calls, too. I have a, you know, a little company for my grunt calls. I don't I really don't make uh, duck calls anymore. I just switch over to grunt calls. Um, but I do some other things with the same materials. You know, we cast blanks and I do knobs for boats, um, uh, throttle knobs for wake, wakeboard boats and ski boats, especially like the old uh, master crafts and stuff like that, which I was engraving stars on those. And the girl that was doing it for me wasn't getting the quality I wanted. So I started doing it myself I, by buying an engraver. Well, then I started using that to make the you know things and I make my little call stands from it, you know, just it all kind of overlaps and intertwines and it keeps you, keeps you busy. And like I said, you know, I, I, I've always said, you know, I'm a business owner all the time. My, I don't punch out. I don't have hours. I'm always a business owner, no matter what day or time. So, you know, I, I realize I have people on the West coast that they might be in their shop at 10 o'clock at night. So if they message me, I have no problem messaging them back. You know, I don't really have off hours unless I'm on vacation. And then I'm usually still on my phone when I'm fishing or something. And um, and you still make time to hunt because I, I dare say you're part of the quack yak nation, right? You're got that new duck quack yak going on. I'm working on it. It's uh, it, I'm going to go test it this weekend see if I can't drown myself. It's a uh, stealth hmm. uh, a beaver tail stealth 1200 with a six and a half mud motor on it. Um, I love fabricating and building stuff. So it was, I enjoy building boats. So it was fun to build the blind and everything for it. Um, I've kayak hunted before. I have two other kayaks that I have camo covers on. I, I'll do it. I've actually hunted it almost like an open water uh, layout blind. It's shallow up in Lake Michigan. I can walk out and set a spread and just jump in there and sit and float. And um, I've, you know, done with marshes and flooded corn and everything else. And the kayaks are, it's really a, a unique way to hunt. Um, the biggest downside I've found to kayaks is that most of my buddies don't have them. So if I don't have more than one, it's hard to get people to go with you. I, I'm in that same boat. Like that's, it's my favorite way to hunt now is out of the kayaks. Right. And uh, you got to have two because then there's always someone that can be with you. Right. So it's, it's good. What's the, uh, what's the hunting situation like in Michigan there? Things, how are things looking compared to normal? Um, we just had the UP opener uh, last weekend. We have this weekend is nothing. It's a week off. And then we have our northern opener. And then the week after that is our southern opener. And we've just just finishing up uh, early goose. Last day of early goose season is tomorrow. Goose has been amazing if you're in a field with the birds. Um, it's, it's kind of been like one side or the other. People just not finding anything and people getting full, you know, limited out five, six guys like nothing. Um, it's been kind of, kind of weird, but it seems like the birds are real flocked up, staying together. And... Uh, I think a lot of it, like a lot of fields haven't been cut yet, uh, which is causing them to, you know, stick around the fields that have been, but uh, we have a, a buddy of mine um, has introduced me to a friend of his that owns a farm. And uh, he actually, it was made news recently from the PFAS. Um, I guess he was using um, whatever he's using on the fields had PFAS in it and it was too high of a limit. He didn't know, but it, there's a bunch of lawsuits against that company it was dumping it in the river upstream of a processing plant and they were using the sludge from the processing plant on fields and that they did a river they did a city's um drinking water was contaminated from it so it's a huge deal well he's got this field he can't plant and all the cattle had to go so we've been hunting out there and uh he's 
he had winter wheat come up and he just mows a big area of it every couple of weeks and and they're just bombing in there um three right. four five hundred birds at a time over the field it's it's been pretty crazy um as far as ducks the guys in the up um it was kind of the same hit and miss uh there's guys hitting limits and then there's guys uh not seeing anything but it the UP is tricky early in the season. Um, it's more local birds. They're still not down yet. But um, overall, the numbers I've been hearing is is pretty promising this year, especially compared to last year, which was pretty bad. Good. Good. So, so for those who aren't Michiganders, can you expand on what UP is? Uh, Upper Peninsula. I'm sorry. That's a <laughs> Michigan is is two states pretty much. We have the the lower and the Upper Peninsula. And uh, the upper, I love hunting up there. It's a long, it's about five and a half hour drive for me to get up to our cabin. So I can only do it once or twice a season. Um, but we go up uh, usually right after Halloween when it's cold, right before, usually by deer season, there's November 15th firearm season starts. It's usually froze up by then, or at least enough that you can't hunt. Um, so we try to get up there that last weekend. And if the birds are in, it's an absolute blast. If they're not, it's just cold, but it's, it's, the UP is just beautiful. It's um, compared to down here, the country and just the, the atmosphere and the sunrises, the sunsets, the, the bird, you know, the divers watching them across. It's just, it's amazing up there. Um, so I have a bunch of guys where we do duck camp every year up there and we've got quite a few new guys going this year. So I'm excited to see those guys get to see, uh, see what I see all the time. You know, it, the only two people I've ever heard hunting the UP up there is you and Steven Ranella. So that's, kind of, that's quite territory for you there right so <laughs> you, you get up there there's I, i've hunted the opener and seen one other party all weekend um where we go you know we hunt there's there's big water but then there's all marshes and stuff off of that there's some rivers and a couple lakes that we hunt up there depending on the wind and the weather and last year that's what killed us we had a, a strong south wind and we're hunting the north end so it was just blowing us off every everywhere we go um there's just bad bad wind but uh, a couple of years before we found a point that stretched 200 yards out and we walked out and had five of us out there and shot divers all day from shore. Um, it, was, it was a blast. It was easy hunting. It was fun. It was, you know, we had snow on the ground already and it was, uh, it was an amazing time. I actually got up above me here. I got a hen golden eye, old golden eye that I got up there and uh, got mounted and um, we also in, in Michigan, we have Saginaw Bay, which is known as the Chesapeake or the Chesapeake of the Midwest um it's uh lake huron but it um we all use our map of the thumb so it's it's saginaw bay right here and uh there's a couple areas that are on the bay that are reserved hunt areas you have to go in the morning and get in the draw to go out um you can just go out on the bay and we'll go out um two three miles sometimes and and get five six man limits of old squaw and then a couple hours and uh lots of golden eye out there get scoters come through and um there's actually some really unique hunting around michigan if you know where to where to go and where to look and not afraid to you know it, it's it can get sketchy out there we almost drowned two years ago out on saginaw bay um we'd walked out and the deepest spot i walked through when we walked out was about waist deep when we were coming back i was using my decoy sled as like a kickboard and swimming so we literally literally had to swim in where we were standing it was um ankle deep and my decoys i had set about waist deep and the water, a storm came in, was blown in so strong. My D, because I watched every one of them pick up, set down, pick up and set down uh, until they're just gone out, out of view. And 
we uh, were trying to ride out the storm. I said, I think we better go. So we start working our way back. And it was, uh, I was the shortest guy of the bunch. So I was swimming half the way. It was, it was pretty sketchy. So you got to really uh, have respect for it out there, you know, but it's, uh, it's some neat hunting in Michigan for sure. Nice. I want to circle back to something. Me and Ryan want to know, who did you send the Green Bay Packer? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember who it's been it's been years i've done two or three of them uh, we've done green bay um i well, for michigan we have a big rivalry rivalry with uh, ohio state so every now and then i get asked to do those and uh i usually send some kind of a message with them in the uh in their package but we do a lot of uh um alabama uh a lot of guys down there and um uh razorbacks thing is we do um trying to think a lot of, we do a lot of and maroon and white and it's tricky because their colors are so close but it's just that right shade of maroon if it's not right they're complaining right. Um, <laughs> we, we, we've done done a handful of some weird ones like that that people are real picky about like, oh it's not right it's got to be just a couple shades darker and how, how hard is it to turn those grass blanks you have um, you know, when we first started with them, we did a different process than we do now, and, and they were they were tough. Um, you really got to take your time because the, the grass is softer than the than the material. So what would happen is your tool, you get air pockets in there um, around the grass and stuff, and that tool would dig in and catch and just blow them up. So we switched over to uh, a, a two two step process where we actually degas twice, and they've gotten a lot better. Um, they're more solid now. They're not so easily to explode. Um, but if you take your time um, and don't push too hard, the biggest thing with my materials, people pushing too hard. I, I tell them if you're getting sandblasted, if it's coming off in little chunks and, and little divots all over, you're just pushing too hard. You got to let the tool work because the material is soft. Um, so the grass ones, there's a little bit of a learning curve. We, I used to say that, you know, there's going to be some CA glue filling because you'd have little voids and stuff you had to fill. Now with the new process, it's gotten 50 times better. Um, there's not nearly as much. Every now and then you get a little one, you got to fill with some clear CA or whatever, but um, they're not bad to do. Uh, just got to take your time and go slow with them. Okay. You've talked about it. So I'm going to bring it up. Carbide tools. Do you recommend using those on your blanks? And <laughs> Yeah, yes and I'll no. let you take it from there yeah that's a yes and no one it, it, and so I myself I'm heavy-handed so I use uh HSS high-speed steel uh, I I've used carbide and I do occasionally if I'm trying to get a real nice finish on something um I might go I, I'll use carbide to go back over sometimes just to clean up lines and, and clean it up but carbide is sharp and it's so easy to press just a little bit too hard and dig in. I'm heavy handed. So I use the steel and I keep them dull. I don't keep mine razor sharp. Um, if I'm, if I'm turning a lot of calls, I'll, I'll sharpen it up a little bit and I just got to go a little easier because it cuts a little quicker, but by keeping them duller, I can push almost as hard as I want. And it, it's a lot more forgiving uh, in it and being heavy handed. It, it saved me a few times. <laughs> So for the people that don't know, the first time that it happened to me, I was using a carbide tool. And when you're new on the lathe, you are heavy handed a little bit. Like you think you got, I got to push to get rid of this material when really your tool's super sharp, let it cut, you know, and uh, I pushed a little bit too hard. And the thing like, just, you just hear this and then it's like, you're getting blasted in the face with like acrylic pieces of, of sandblast material. It, 
it scares the living. Yeah. I, I puckered a little bit. Let's just say. You come off of turning wood, um, especially like some, you know, hardwood and stuff where you really got to push into it a little bit. You can push into it and it's not going to blow up um, or even some, you know, some acrylic and stuff you really have to push into or you can push into it because it's harder. And it's such a soft and easy to turn material that it's an easy mistake to make. And I get a lot of guys who are like, oh, this thing's full of air pockets. And I was like, send me a picture. And you can tell they're not round bubbles. They're sharp, jagged chips. And I was like, are you getting sandblasts? They're like, yeah, you know, is it my speed? And I'm like, you're pushing too hard. You have to let that tool work. And uh, once people overcome that, they start doing pretty well with it. And they realize that how easy it is. But even myself, I'll get on, I'll sharpen up a tool because it's just too dull, get it sharp or whatever and forget. And I just touch it and just boom, because I push into it and I'm not used to it. And just, I've, I've blown up blanks. I've had friends try and turn stuff and they've blown them up, you know, and, and that's how I really learned, you know, it's just people pushing too hard that, uh, you know, same thing with the inserts, um, the insert blanks. I've had people break them while they're turning them. And what it is, is most of them aren't using their tailstock. Um, that tailstock is needed because it, it's again it's a softer material it'll flex you can actually drill i've drilled them and got them hot where they're almost smoking and you can take that insert and almost bend it in a 90 degree angle and heat it up and bend it back straight again and it'll hold just fine and work just fine uh, so it, it takes a little bit to get used to that um, i've had guys they walk out you know especially like the northern guys it's a cold shop and they throw it on there that ice cold blank they're more brittle when they're cold um, so I'll tell them, take some sandpaper to it for a minute and, and get it or, or a torch and just, just warm it up a little bit and it'll cut like butter. You have a lot less chance of that. So there's a lot of little tricks and stuff that, you know, I've, I've told people over the years to help with that stuff. And the other thing we learned way back when, uh, in the casting process is, and that's when we, we got into doing temp control and humidity control. Um, a lot of people don't realize those things is what it takes to, you know, in casting that it has to be right. You have to adjust your, uh, your mixtures, um, too much hardener or too little hardener, and it, it's not going to turn right. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And, um, you know, I said, my mom, she should be on the show. She knows it way better than I do. Um, there's a lot of little details in that of getting it, you know, and, um, it's not the casting process. That's really that hard for her. It's, it's cleaning molds. Um, not getting stuff in molds you go through tons of cups because you can't reuse those things and stir sticks and everything else and then we get people to order four or five six colors you know camel with four or five, five colors or swirls with a, and trying to hold four or five cups at a time and pour them in to get the swirls is is a tricky thing to do so we've we've built some different jigs and stuff to hold cups and that and the easiest way for my mom when she's got to do those she has my dad come out and help her pour them in <laughs> so it's a family business, you know, just my mom and I, and, and the kids help out quite a bit with, you know, me here at the shop packing up and stuff. And, um, but it's been a family business. My, actually, my uncle, he passed away last year. Uh, he actually, when I was developing the P1, um, I took it to him because he's, he's one, of, he's been duck hunting his whole life, him and my dad, but he really knew, knew what he was doing. Um, I took it to him and he blew it and he says, that's it right there. You got it. So I turned that into the P1. So, P1 is a little more dear to me now that he passed away and um, it, uh, I still have around here somewhere I still have that original insert that I made that we turned the P1 into. Yeah, and that's, yeah even before I knew you um, when I ordered my P1 I was like ah man I, I couldn't get it to work right and I couldn't figure out why and it it turned out that the the inserts that I had it was just 5 8 doweling 
but the five eights dowling wasn't actually five eights. It was a little bit bigger than five eights, but yep. I sent you a message and you, you messaged me right back and you explained it to me and here, measure this and do that. And I was like, okay, perfect. And so yeah, good on you. Like family run business and your, your customer service is great. So yeah, I'd be proud of that. So uh, well, I'm the first to admit I'm, I'm not a good caller. <laughs> like I, I'm, I suck on a call. I, I do. Okay. I hold my own and it works, you know, but I'm not good on a call. So when I'm developing something new, I always have, you know, Brandon and Corey and uh, Seth from um, Hadley Calls. I have those guys stop over, blow us, tell me what you think, what can we change, what can we, you know, do different. And um, I've been developing a new jig that uh, I haven't, I haven't finished the prototype yet on it. Um, when I developed the P3, I actually took a P1 and I cut high, I cut above the, I didn't follow the tone board. Um, I drilled about a quarter inch shorter and then when I took it out, I cut it off and hand filed it down to make the P3 the way I wanted it. And I actually wanted to file a little more, but I left it because people had kept saying they wanted more meat on it. Um, once the P3 came out, I actually retired the P2 and I had so many people yelling at me that I, they wanted it again. So we re-released the P2. Well, I've been developing a new one, which is actually a shorter version of the P3 uh, developed the same way off the P1. So it's, uh, I originally said the P3 was a cut down inspired. It's not a cut down call, but I essentially took the P1 and cut it down to do it. Um, so this new one I've been working on is even shorter and, and it's fun to do. It's fun to experiment with them. And I've got boxes of them. I've, I've developed a diver call that I, I thought about making into a jig and um, I'm still working on this short one. Hopefully um, I'd like to try and get it out within the next year. It's just finding the time to sit down and get it finalized, but um, the P1 is kind of the basis of all of it. It uh, was the first one and it worked well and it works. It, the thing I like about it is it's a, an easy one for people to learn. Um, and that's, you know, what I wanted. And um, I've got guys who've been using the P1 for 10 years and they're still, still going strong on it. Um, we've made a few changes over the years. We do black oxide on all of our uh, jigs and mandrels now. And um, we, we still sell flat jigs that are unhardened and, um, you know, a little longer to be, so people can make their own. And, and I tell people, I'm like, don't stop at the P1, you know, get it done and then start developing your own cut high and start filing, you know, make your own. And then we can make a custom jig for you. You know, that's a service that we've, we've done since the beginning too, is making custom ones for people. And um, we do, uh, we do quite a, quite a few of them still. So it's good to see that people are advancing, you know, past the, the public jigs. And, and that's something that you also tried to keep the cost down with by doing the two piece, two piece jigs, right? Yeah, that was a big thing. When I started, I had people, um, one of the, my main competitors, the guy that was there in the beginning, he does a one piece jig. And I understand it when you heat metal, it can, it can warp and bend. So they heat the metal and then they use carbide to cut it. When I talked to the machine shop, my, my buddy that, that runs it, and he told me, he says, I think we can do this in two pieces, which cuts down on the labor significantly, which lets us keep our custom jigs way cheaper. And in our public jigs, you know, at an affordable price for people. The, we, we have a place out of Detroit that's one of the best. It's the Motor City. So the, the shops around here run at very high levels because they're doing stuff for the big three, you know, Chrysler, Ford, GM. So the shop that does our hardening, um, they know what they're doing. And in all these years of making these jigs, I've never had one custom come back uh, because they thought it was warped or off or something like that. We've had a couple, they wanted the set screw hole moved or 
Um, the the cork notches they want it a little, a little tighter, a little wider, whatever. Um, you know, sometimes because if it's a a flush set, it has to be different than if it's a press fit. You know, the the back of the jig does to to allow it to sit correctly because we the jig should essentially uh, match up to what the barrel you know is how it fits in there. So there's a lot of little technical stuff that goes into it. Um, but we've uh, we've never had one come back for any you know anything like that. And I'm talking I've I've made for um, uh, John Stevens six, seven, eight jigs for him. So if there was a problem with the process on it, I would know by now, you know, after 13 years of doing this, I would know if there was something wrong. So that's a big thing. A lot of people say, oh, well, it's not hard. So we harden after. And because it's two piece, it doesn't have as much, there's not as much to warp, you know, we keep them thicker material too, which also helps with the warping. Yeah. Well, boys, you got anything else to add? I think we're getting close to that one hour mark. So just so you know, Ryan, we don't like to go much further than the hour. Just we got people with uh, like me that has attention deficit and just can't get past that one hour mark. So, yeah, no, no problem whatsoever. Um, yeah. I, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I've been asked a couple of times and I never really did it. And uh, um, it's uh, kind of fun to, to tell the story of a lot of people really don't know what all has been into it. You know, I mean, I could go on for hours with the the details and stuff we've been through and the, the things we've faced to try and get to the points we're at now. But um, we've uh, we've kind of got it down to a, a science now of where we want to be with things, but still have that uh, handmade, you know, family owned business touch to it, you know. And it's good. And, and it's a product and it's a service that you're offering people that's that's helping them out. So so we appreciate that. Let's do a little bit of a round table. Uh, Ryan Bro. Yeah. <clears throat> nice to meet you, Ryan. Um, again, like pretty cool concept for a business. I'm pretty envious and uh, I, I love, <clears throat> I love the concept. I love what you're, you're doing and what you bring to the table. And I, I, I think uh, I hope more people get word of mouth what, what you uh, offer, because I think it's, it's going to really help um, with the growth in the call making market. Cause it, it's becoming popular now, but somebody, like you offering what you you bring to the table like i think that's just gonna put a little more gas on the fire for a lot of people so uh i i can't see your business slowing down anytime soon man so best of luck to you and thanks for coming on the podcast i appreciate it man mark yeah uh good meeting you ryan i gotta say i've been watching like i'm not a collector of calls i have a few calls i use them uh i do follow the call nuts Facebook page. It's a huge, uh, you probably know all about it. It's a huge Facebook oh, yeah. page. And what, what following that has shown me over the last few years is that beyond my imagination, the amount of call makers out there and they're all making unique calls. Like there's, yep. when you, when you go through them all, everybody's calls are, are, are different in certain ways. And it just blew, blew me away. That's, and, and a lot of these guys are successful call makers and <laughs> I, I didn't understand how you can have so many and it just keeps growing and growing. It hasn't slowed down at all. Not that I've seen. And uh, from what I've been introduced to now with what you have, it's uh, you have, you're, you're, you're set up to help all, all the people that want to join that group. It's, it's pretty interesting. Like I'm guessing you don't just stop it with what you have. You're always looking for the next thing to add 
to help. I've always tried to, to do new things, to, to do something different that, that, that hasn't been done. And we used to run a lot of contests and we had guys that would send in calls. I had one guy, I can't remember who made it, but it was a freaking snow globe. You'd turn the call over and little pieces of stuff would fall inside of it. I mean, <laughs> some of these guys, they, they come from different backgrounds. Some are woodworkers, some are machinists, you know, and they all have their own style into it. And it's, it's so cool to see how far it's came. I think that's what's kept it alive. You know, um, it's an older tradition and, you know, not as many kids are into that kind of things these days. So if we can keep that going, that's all the better for everyone. Okay, Ryan, I'll let you say something. Then, uh, like, tell people where can they find your website? How can they get a hold of you, etc.? And uh, yeah, um, well, it's pintailwaterfowl.com. We have our group on Facebook, which is Make a Duck Call, which is uh, essentially veteran call makers and new call makers are very welcome. We don't allow any sort of shit talking or anything to them. You know, we joke around, have fun, but it's it's to help uh, uh, a positive place where people can can put up their their call that may not be the best you know that they can get good real feedback on it to try and make them better you know um i've also uh, uh i'm available everywhere um i'm on instagram facebook um youtube i've got some videos on there that help people um they're not as many i, I lost the channel a few years back and lost most of the videos but i've been trying to slowly get them back up there and, um, I'm available all the time for questions. Um, I don't do real well on the phone, but message me pretty much any time or email me. I'll get back to you usually within hours, you know, not even days and uh, more than willing to, to help out and answer what questions I can. Perfect. And uh, for those that don't know, if, uh, if you're looking to get some discount codes, uh, Ryan tends to run a bunch of discounts every now and then. I think you do one around Christmas. Uh, maybe Black around. Friday. I've Black Friday. Black yeah. Friday. Every, every year, I've I've done it since we started, and it's one of my favorite things to do. I I actually lose money on that sale, but I don't care. It's fun. It gives people a chance, and just to see, I run little um, contests during it, and um, yeah. giveaways and different things. And I try to include a little for Christmas, a little gift with all the orders and stuff. It's my way, I guess, of giving back. We don't do the contest as much as we used to. Just kind of turned to a lack of interest. I couldn't get enough people that really wanted to do it, so. Um, we, I, I've kind of backed off from the contests and that, but, um, I, I'm doing the sale to be November this year again. And then we usually do one in, in, uh, around May we do one as well. He, he tends to do like a little special gift in, depending on the size of your order. And so far I've got, I think two years ago, it was a beer koozie last year was the, a kind of a, like a bird finisher kind of thing. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just yeah, you saying can't it. say finisher, but it's close. Bird, bird, I, that, that's what it does. I don't know what to call it. Sorry. Bird executor. A bird executioner. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it, you know what? We appreciate the product and uh, hopefully we get more call makers out there because the more we get out there, the more new things we get. And, you know, we're, we're one step away from getting another, a new, a new top call. So. I'm looking yep. forward to seeing what's coming up. So thanks a lot for coming on, Ryan. And uh, yeah, everyone follow Pintail Waterfowl on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, if if you like the episode, be sure to leave a comment. Tell us if you want to see somebody, like it, share it, tell your friends, tell anybody. Much love. See you. Appreciate you having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>